Hi, my name is Kevin McQuillan, and the following pre-recorded conversations are my attempt to make sense of the human experience through the practice of yoga. I hope you enjoy. Good morning, everyone. We're moving to a practice. You haven't practiced with me before. I typically <clears throat> offer the class theme out in front so you understand why I'm teaching what I'm teaching and why I'm saying what I'm saying. So I'm going to spend the next several minutes sharing this class theme. <clears throat> and I invite you to be part of the conversation. So to find yourself in this conversation, I use whiteboards as uh, some visuals to frame the conversation. I like visuals, maybe you do too, who knows. And today I'm going to talk about men. I promised this conversation from yesterday. I was talking about women yesterday, now I'm talking about men. To create some balance in this conversation, see how it goes. And what a conversation will be. These are interesting conversations. And there's a lot of various different tracks we could go. And I went over this many times, changing it many times, and I just said, ah, I'm going to choose this track because there's lots of tracks. And I'm attempting to identify like a sub-personality within fellows. And one that I'm aware of, that I've been tracking most of my life within, and I see this play out in many men, especially in the yoga world. Oh my goodness, this funny yoga world. And so we'll see how this conversation goes. Hopefully you're awake. After all that monkey noise last night, wasn't that amazing? Ah, being serenaded at 3.30 a.m. <laughs> some of you were, some of you are leaving today. That was like your goodbye song. Pretty sweet, right? And then getting pelted by mangoes trying to get into the yoga studio. <laughs> Uh, it's an adventure just to get here to your mat in a whole other way. So I'm going to start with a particular sub-personality that lives within the masculine as I see it. And it's the denigrated masculine. So I thought I'd frame it this morning. I'm terrified of you, this sub-personality says. And the you is you, women. I am terrified of you. I won't admit it, but I'm terrified of you. With one look, you can leave me feeling humiliated and rejected. By one single look. And that's why I'm terrified of you. Plus, I need to dilute myself so as not to present like the oppressive and tyrannical male figure that I'm told not to be. And so I have to water myself down, dilute myself, thin myself out. And in doing so, I loathe myself for being so fragile and pathetic. Mm, the self-loathing attached to this experience is deep and undeniable. I really don't know who I should be. I know, however, I'd rather be accepted versus rejected. If you haven't noticed, fellas, hate being rejected. It's a place of deep concern 
and worry. It's a fear-based experience. And where do fellas feel more rejected than anywhere else? It's in the presence of women. And it seems to me women don't quite have the understanding of how challenging that is. But it's something that sits with us consistently. So I won't offer my opinion because it may be challenged. I won't speak up. Whatever you want. That sounds fitting. If I'm challenged, I may lose and be seen as weak. And if I'm weak, I'll be rejected because who wants to be with a weak person? So I'll just go along. Whatever you want is good enough for me. Yes, those towels. That color seems fitting. Whatever you wish to do, okay. Yes, dear. This kind of experience. Rather than risk rejection, I'll voluntarily choose to be feeble and harmless. It's quite the posture. We lose a lot by choosing to be feeble and harmless. In the masculine, there's this nature to compete, to compete, to challenge, and to grapple and wrestle and these kinds of things. And that process is a self-defining experience. If we give that up, we're lost. What we have to rely on is outside sources to tell us who we should be. And there is a lot of bloody outside sources telling us who we should be. That is for sure. Very unique messages to each of us. There's a set of very unique messages that women get and there's a very unique set of messages fellows get. And they're pummeling. And they create a tremendous amount of confusion That's why so many men are just giving up. That's how I see it. Oh. <laughs> oh, this emotion that comes up when I think about that is just so sad. It's so sad because I see it and how detrimental that is to give up on oneself. It's the pathway to hopelessness and despair. I could attempt to make this correlation of what's happening with addiction, with men. It's grown quite a bit, this addiction. And then I would say the correlation is the sense of hopelessness the sense of confusion, the sense of escape. That I rather numb out than experience this level of despair and hopelessness. And it's a growing epidemic. It's not decreasing, it's actually expanding significantly, which is sad. And it's unfortunate 
You can see it in various different forms and fashions. And all the numbing out that's happening. The escapes, the escapes. I'll just sit in the basement and play video games. I'll sit on my computer and watch porn. I don't know, I'll isolate. I'll do the things that I need to do so I don't have to situate myself into a potential experience where I'm feeling rejected, humiliated, some sense or source of disappointment, not only to myself, but to other people. I can't do anything right. That can be the, that can be the conversation. And unfortunately, we're buying into that conversation. And especially if we're in a weakened state, we buy into that conversation. There's not much of us to push against. There's not much of us to generate another stance and push into this narrative that we buy into. I'm not blaming anybody. That's what I see. I see this in myself when I've bought into this narrative, this conversation, and I see it play out in men. And how devastating that is, not only for them as the individual, but for every relationship that is possible because there isn't much of a relationship coming from this posture, this position. So I'll sacrifice growing up to remain submissive and meek like an old baby, dependent and toothless. Oh man, and that is so ugly. Yes, and the monkeys agree. Thank you, brothers. <laughs> That startled you. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is that sound? Perhaps now I'll be deemed acceptable and kept around if I'm toothless and harmless and act like an old baby. Maybe at least somebody will keep me around and pamper me. Maybe that will give me some sense of what I know I need, which is nurturing and safety. We have to sacrifice a lot for that to occur, and it's our entire soul. It's a soulless endeavor. It's not good for us as men. It's certainly not good for women, and it's not good for the world. I get emotional thinking about this because ah, <laughs> I know where that lives inside of me. This subpersonality, this part of me that is so deeply committed to behaving like this. And how much effort it takes to constrain that side of me. And the various different times in my life. where I gave into it. <coughs> and ultimately how that left me, the state I was left in. <coughs> and again, how much effort it took to put myself back together. It takes a tremendous amount of effort. And skill. And support. 
<laughs> I learned this and I adopted it. It lives in my family lineage. And I've seen the devastating results. Ah, <laughs> this has caused. And how it's broken the spirit. Of the men in my family. Now that's manifested in dis-ease. Where the consequences always show up in the physical body. Oh, I wasn't expecting all this emotion. And this is why it's so near and dear to me and why I'm so ah, <laughs> aware of it and see it. I can smell it out easily because I know it so intimately. And I don't know how many men actually are aware of this side of them. I'm not exactly sure. It doesn't seem like a lot in my experience. That's a whole other conversation. But it's this combination of fear and shame that anchors this experience. Fearful of being rejected and feeling ashamed for who we've become. And how this is a self-perpetuated experience. And why men are so bloody fragile. And pretend that they're not. Which is so bloody absurd. It's so bloody absurd. And that's the challenge of confronting. The con confronting the fear we have of being seen as weak. I won't talk about these things. I won't feel these things. I won't share these things. No, I won't, because I can't tolerate it. I don't know what that will turn out to be. Most likely rejection. And so, no, I choose not. What was interesting for me to transform this was ultimately to shatter the ideal I had, not only of the masculine, the ideal man. But I also had to shatter the ideal I had around women. And that was really helpful for me. Because the way I position myself in the world is that women are the enemy. <laughs> That's how I position myself. And I learned that very young. And that's ultimately the ideal I had of women, that you're not safe. You're abrasive and abusive and a source of harm. And that left me feeling deeply alone 
I couldn't speak with men about this, and I certainly couldn't speak to women about this. And I was lost and alone, and I felt that way. And so I felt like the walking disappointment. I couldn't make anything right or make anything good in my life. It was a very strange experience. But I really had to confront this particular question. How do I navigate my experience to sure that I'm not the source of disappointment? Because that's what I felt like, a walking disappointment consistently. And people had a lot to say about that. No one more than myself. <laughs> so I consistently spoke to myself. You are a disappointment. Look at all the reasons why you were a disappointment. And any kind of criticism from the outside just deepened that stance, reinforced me being right about being the walking disappointment. And so I had to push into that experience. And one of the ways I was able to do that, as I mentioned, was breaking up this ideal I've had of women, that maybe they're not so terrifying and scary. Maybe I could actually have a, diff a different experience with them. And being in the yoga world actually helped me in that regard. There's a particular openness that happens in the yoga world that's really quite appealing and attractive. And I think that's what draws a lot of people into the yoga world. That there is a sense of um, common ground and perhaps acceptance. And that was one of the allures for me in the yoga world. And it's heavily dominated by women, if you haven't noticed. In the West, for sure. Just look in this room. <laughs> now I got two brothers. You're multiplying. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> And through various different experiences I've had with women in the yoga world to begin with, I felt this place of acceptance, which actually shattered this ideal I had that women are the enemy, not safe. And I started having these experiences like, wow, that was actually a pretty good interaction. It feels strange. I don't feel so terrified. And one interaction led into the next interaction and so on and so forth in over a span of time, years. I was able to transform my relationship and actually start to feel safe, which is very strange, still is. For me, well, that's, this is not true for all fellows, but I feel much more safe around men. Because I know how to contend with men. <laughs> I know how to do that very well. Women, you're a mystery. Very difficult to contend with you and the ways in which I knew how to contend and to compete and to define myself, to find my place. That way with men is not acceptable with women in various different ways. And so I was curious, just shattering this ideal and creating a whole other experience of women where I was actually accepted and included and felt like I had a sense of belonging, which is so bloody missing. I didn't have that for most of my life. That was a mystery. 
And so through these various different experiences and having a sense of belonging and enough safety that I could hold on to some semblance of courage to do it yet again, what that led me to. And I could convince myself that I have an important role, a necessary role. And if I act, if I act properly, responsibly, I'm deserving of respect. That if I can show up in a proper way with great responsibility, I'm deserving of respect. And that's what started to come to me. I felt respected, something I didn't feel. I didn't respect myself, and I didn't feel anybody respected me. And why would they? Based on the posture I had of self-loathing, a lack of self-respect. Who would respect me? And I learned to use discipline to constrain my urge to hide and cower. And that part of me is, oh, just waiting. Hide, cower, turn away. Be on your own. You're better off that way. Or rage and wreck. That's a whole other side of me that I'm very good at as well. That I leveraged against when I was younger. Rage and wreck. Anything good in my life, I would tear apart. Because I felt I didn't deserve it which created an unsafe experience for me and created an unsafe experience for everybody. I was unpredictable. And instead reconfigure my relationship to women. And that has been years in the making. And it's a track that men will miss and do miss. And it's unfortunate. The need to reconfigure your relationship to women. It's needed that men miss. Instead, they'll sacrifice and choose to stay the old baby. And I understand why, why that is. Not to feel rejected and at least maybe feel cared for in some fashion. That's the stance. If I'm so useless and pathetic and toothless, somebody will care for me. And that happens. I see it often. Women are not the enemy. They are the, they are the source of learning. And that is absolutely true. And two key tracks, nurturing and safety. It's the very thing men desire and need. is Some semblance of nurturing and safety specifically with women through women. Men do not know how to take care of themselves very well. <laughs> if you haven't noticed. Rigid and linear <laughs> can be the way. Not all the time, but that can be the way. And so I must risk what I know to be known. And this is the adventure to maturation. Puh. You got to give up a lot, this whole sub-personality to mature and to have the kind of relationships that we want, not only with ourselves, but with women and whatever context that is. So there's a lot in a way. And so I have a question for you. I don't know if you can relate to this conversation. I don't know if you've seen it. 
you've definitely seen it. You've probably been very close to it. <laughs> I can imagine that. <laughs> what do you not like about this denigrated masculine posture? How does it leave you feel when you've been close to it in the presence of it? This is good learning for me. I'm very curious. Yes? Uh huh. Okay. Felt dismissed, not important. Yeah. Okay. Placed up on the pedestal. Yeah. Okay. Good. Thanks for that. Very good. How you how have you seen this shape up? What's the word you'd say? How's it shown up in your life? Oh, I'm so curious. Do you like it? Do you not like it? Yeah. So there's an ease attached to attached to it, which soon turns soon turns into frustration. Something like that. <laughs> okay. Good. Well, I've been married for 10 years. Yeah. With the same man for 13 years. Okay. And I see this type of way to be when he just doesn't want to argue. Mm -hmm. He hides. Okay. So that's a kind of when it's easier to avoid mm -hmm. complaining. Yeah. And, and I see that. Okay, good. But I. I confront him. <laughs> I'm like, stop saying what I want to hear. Say what you feel, what you mean, what you what you want to say. And it's hard to break this when he's in that mood. It's hard to break it. Yeah. And sometimes when it breaks, it explodes. Right. It becomes the rage and the red. Yeah. Okay. It's good. Thanks for saying that. So you've been with the same man for 13 years. You can see how he hides and cowers at times. And um, how does that leave you feel when he does that? It, it makes me feel bad because I feel like I'm the one that's doing this to him. Mm. And that's why I say, I, I tell him, like, stop like, hiding. Mm -hmm. Say what you feel. Tell me what's up. And, mm -hmm. and sometimes it just doesn't come up. Right. Yeah. You know, even though you're an encouraging force at times, you're still the threat to him. And maybe by trying to encourage him, I enforce this. But I'm trying to make it better. But yeah. I don't know. It's yeah, it's just perception. It's not like. Yeah, and it's the, it's the pressure in the moment that, you know, when we're hiding in cower, we can't respond in the way in which we want to respond. And so that pressure compounds the experience. And that self loathing, you know, and that sense of weakness. That I could, I could respond differently, but I'm not, or can't, something like that. So very good. Thanks for that. Sad response. Yeah, like when you like almost like choose words that like, oh, this is just pathetic. Like, why would you want to be with someone that's 
one another. Just as tyrant as women can be with manipulating emotions. Yep. Um, with you, because I know who you are, mm-hmm. and who you believe, and your goodness and your passion over and over again. And it's sad to see that you can have that type of material mm-hmm. in this speech of proof, like now. Right. You know, and it's, yeah, the willing to change, but it's like how to change, which is extraordinarily difficult. And so you can see your man in your life and how he can beat himself up at times, call himself pathetic. and Almost like coming to me to be like, oh, like, I usually am very like, oh, give yourself grace. Like, people make mistakes. It's mm-hmm. okay. But it's almost to the point where comes to that, to get that, recognize that, that to grace that. But it's to the point of like, no, you either make the change for yourself because <laughs> I can't do it for you. Right. So your conversation is starting to change with him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Kind of getting you fed up. Kind of. Yeah. It's more just like, you can do this. It's just a cycle. Yeah. Very vicious cycle. It's a good way of putting it. Vicious. Yep. Thanks for that. Hi. You have more to say? I like it. What do you got to say? You Okay. Good. So this caused a breakup in your relationship. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, good. Thanks for that. And we'll get out a relationship. Just a matter of time. Just curious, fellas, can you see yourself in this conversation in some way? You don't have to agree. Hard to respect that stance. Mm-hmm. Well said. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. Thanks for saying that. Appreciate it. Good, sir. Anything around this? <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like it's for a woman, it's a, uh, one of the very scary things for a man is to feel Okay. 
Good. Okay. Thanks for that. And you've had to give up a lot for that to occur, to feel safe and respected. And I don't know if I would say give up. I would say actually <laughs> adjust the way that I that my ego has been coerced. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's the sacrifice. You know, these perspectives that we can hold on to. Okay. Thanks for that. Very good. Okay. It's a peculiar grace that this peculiar grace that comes from blend of vulnerability. And how would I put this? I would say that vulnerability is a strength that men need. I'll put it that way. And it's the very thing that terrifies them most. It's the attempt to be vulnerable. And how that creates a peculiar grace within men. That seems fitting. So my hope out of this conversation is that it sheds some light. <laughs> And what we're up against in some ways, not always, but there's a subpersonality that lives within each of us as I see it. And what we have to grapple against. And maybe it'll make some sense to you next time you see a man in your life fumbling through this experience and what they're up against and how difficult it is to pull themselves out of it. It's not simple, but it's their work. And it's good work if they accept the adventure. So how the hell does this line up to our class focus? Well, the class focus is on the side bodies. Side bodies, ah, the sensitive area of the body. Hmm. The right side, side body, where we hold this experience of not being good enough, not being good enough, and how that perpetuates a shame-based experience, the emotion of shame, which is on the left side of the body. So this perspective of not being good enough creates the emotion and response of shame. And how that can be debilitating and devastating. And that fits with this. The shame-based experience. That plenty of men find themselves in. And have to grapple with and pull themselves out of it. So. We all have this experience. At times. Not feeling good enough. And shame. Read yourself out of it. Read yourself of it. And that is the practice. The focus of this practice. Thanks for entertaining the conversation. Hope you learned something. Who knows? Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to Peace Retreat for all those who just got here. Nice to have you. Move into a practice, a 60 minute practice, a restorative practice out in front of you. The way in which I teach, I offer distinctions so you get a sense of why this class and why I'm teaching what I'm teaching, and why I'm teaching specifically to certain parts of your body. So I'm gonna spend a few minutes talking about that. And what's up on the board are uh, two distinct tracks. That's not very restorative. <laughs> Cutting metal in the background. What's happened to peace at peace retreat? My goodness. <laughs> the dissatisfied you and the potential you, and both exist. 
the dissatisfied you has a way of demeaning. And so when you demean yourself, you lower your status level. You literally become less than. Less than whoever. Comparisons are a great way to do that. One way to demean ourselves and lower our status level. And so we become less than, which degenerate or deregulates your emotions. That's how it can be. Start messing with our emotional body. So much so you can destabilize yourself into anxiety, depression, physical ailments, and worse. And if you've experienced that, and you have, in your own unique way, you're old enough. Yep, fair enough. You're old enough that you've experienced these things along the way. And if you chose to pause to consider how you got yourself into that state, it took you some time and a very particular practice you have to destabilize yourself. Maybe you're experiencing that now. Who knows? You're so weak from tormenting yourself, life becomes much more arduous. And there's a weight that comes along with that. Life is difficult enough. Ah, life is a tough go. Very difficult to pick ourselves up every single day. And if we add to that, add to the suffering that already exists, it becomes very difficult, much more difficult than it needs to be. The weight will undoubtedly lead you to bitterness, resentment, resignation, and much worse than that. Or you just start all over again. Lessening yourself. And demeaning yourself and the loop continues and continues and t- continues and that manifests into things you don't really want to deal with physical ailments for sure dis-ease that leads into disease within the body and that's waiting for each of us that's how i see it i spent a long time a lot of time with people oh my goodness a lot of time with people and i can see how this play out i see it in future generations i see it you know, people that have come before me and my family lineage is an example. I've paid close attention to who have who has come before me and what's waiting for me. And that's gave me given me a great pause. Be like, okay, I got some work to do. And the dissatisfied you, when it does come out, that you takes no prisoners. And so there's an element through discipline to constrain that side of you. That must be the case. And so that will give rise to the potential you. And that's what this practice is all about, this beautiful practice of yoga. Speaking to the potential you, where you actually negotiate with your future. And there's so much bloody potential in that, it is astounding that you have the capacity to negotiate with your future, the future you. The idea is not take that for granted. It has a tremendous amount of power. If you were to pause and to converse with the future you and what the future you actually wants for you, it's an incredible practice. And so the attempt through the potential you is to build yourself into what you wish to be. And that could be anything. Whoever that person is, what a wonder. (laughs) 
the journey to the future you, this valued goal, because there's value in that, is where positive emotions exist. They live, reside, because you're moving towards something that's good for you and you know it. That's what's so attractive about this practice of yoga as I see it. There's many attraction points, but one of them is that. That can be filled full of positive emotions. I don't know why I'm feeling this way after a practice, but I like it and I should do it again. It's like, yeah, you should. It's a good idea. We're progressing towards something and we can reward ourselves for that progression. And that's what's important. Intention supports this journey. It poses the question, who do I wish to be? I like that question a lot. You could even specify it that much more and ask yourself, what do you want to feel? Who does the future you, you as the future you, want to feel more of in your life? That's a hell of a thing. That's the practice. That won't come to you randomly. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> you got to set your sights on it. Use your whole body as a way to move yourself towards that experience. And plenty of people miss the power of intention. They miss it. They're so busy in task-oriented focuses. They miss who they're being and what's possible. Answering this question provides the motivational power needed to take care of yourself. And hot damn, that's your responsibility. As much as you don't want it to be your responsibility, <laughs> I'd much rather have other people take care of me. This act of self-care never loses its motivational effectiveness because it's always good for you. Your attempt to take care of yourself is always good for you. It's not only good for you, but it's good for everybody around you. And if everybody's pulling towards that end, wow, some great things can happen. And I'm not suggesting you don't do that now, but I'm encouraging you to do it now in your practice to find a way to take care of yourself. And you're doing that because you're here. So good for you. Whatever the hell prompted you to get yourself here, you're here. And good for you. That's the commitment you have to take care of yourself. You're here. And I honor that. I see it. I appreciate it. And I have a great deal of respect for you. So let this practice be meaningful. A restorative practice. Set your intention. What do you want to feel? What do you want to feel 60 minutes from now? <coughs> you ready for that journey? Oh, some head nods. Okay. Let us be. <laughs> <laughs>